Lord Jesus, we, we stand before you this morning, Lord, and God, I would just ask that you would see our hearts, Lord, and, and God, I would pray just that you would also, Lord, just forgive us for taking something that's so holy and so beautiful at times, and God, I know for myself, um, I can get caught up in just the busyness of the morning and the week and the things of this earth, and God, we sing these songs, I sing these songs, Lord God, from a place where my heart is, is not engaged. God, we may, never, we, may we never take for granted, Lord, the work of the cross, the beautiful sacrifice, Lord, of your Son, and, and the d display of your love, Lord, as it was laid out for all to see. God, show us the way back to you. Show us the way, Lord, how we can live, Lord, in and on this earth and in our day-to-day -day lives, Lord, while having an awareness and having the ability to, Lord, to, to stay connected and engaged to you. God, as we look back through the scriptures and, and back, Lord, through the Old Testament and, and the preparation that would go into entering into your presence. And Lord, while the work on the cross and your son, Jesus, Lord, dying for us and shedding his blood and paying that price has opened that veil, has opened that place to us, Lord God, there is still a preparation of our heart, Lord God, as we enter in. God, may you convict us, Lord, in the places, Father, where, again, we just go through motions, and God, that is not what we want to do. And God, where you reveal those places in our heart this morning and where you've been working, and, and, and God, just, just calling us, Lord, to your heart. God, I pray, Lord, as those places, Lord, that need to be surrendered this morning, Lord God, become an awareness to, God, that you would, would remind us that all we have to do is hand that to you. That's the beauty of what you did. That's the beauty of the cross and the songs that we've been singing and lifting our voices about this morning, is that we bring it to you. We bring our dirtiness. We bring our filthiness. We bring our shame. We bring all, Lord, that, that the places that we fall short, and we bring it to you at your feet and lay it down at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, take this. God, may you wash your people clean this morning that we would be found acceptable before a holy God. And God, as, as, as we prepare, Lord, to hear your word and to hear, God, a message from you, God, may our hearts be in a place to receive. Not in a place, Lord, of receiving because of we demand it or because we want to hear something that will tickle our ears or something to our preferences, but God, that we would hear your heart this morning. God, may lives be changed by the power of, of a holy and awesome and mighty God this morning. May we not leave this place the same. We thank you for it. We thank you for this time. And I thank you for every person within the sound of my voice, both here physically right now in this room, those watching online, Lord God. God, we thank you, Lord God, that we are able to gather as brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, that we can gather together, Lord God, as your people, as the body of Christ. So, Lord, we ask humbly this morning, would you meet us here in this place and in this time, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Would you be seated? Well, I just want to say good morning uh, to everyone here. Uh, if it's your first time with us, we just want to say a special good morning and welcome to you. Um, if you haven't done so, we'd love to, to meet you at the red table there to the side. And for those who are joining us online, if uh, your family, uh, welcome to the table. And if you're a visitor or a guest, we just thank you for taking the time to tune in this morning and pray that you're blessed. Uh, just a, a quick note before I get into the, the, the message this morning. Last week, for those of you who were here or were able to watch online, we, we had a presentation from our, our um, 
vision team and kind of laid some, some of what we found out. And we've got feedback uh, from many of you this week, and, and a lot of it is, is good. And, and the, the one thing that a few came up a few times, and I just wanted to bring some clarity, that I think some, some, of, some folks were looking for kind of the, here's like the finished product. Um, and, and that's we have another retreat coming that's going to really kind of bring that to a close and, and tie it all up for us well. Um, so we were just bringing really the findings and what we found and, and some of just the process that we've been through. So hopefully that helps bring some clarity. It's, we're not quite there to the finish line yet, um, but we are definitely close and we'll be bringing that uh, towards a little further into the year um, as we cross that. So, so please be patient and uh, good things are coming. And, you know, the, the thing is we're going through this, this process of, of building our, our vision and kind of what our church is going to lean into over the next few years as we move forward. Um, you know, the Lord really just impressed on my heart the need for coming back to this place of that, you know, being with him and, and being in relationship and understanding that while we build all these things and these systems and we understand we have clarity and organization and structure, and that's all of God too. You know, God is a God of order, but also it all has to come from this heart that, that is in relationship with God. And so that's what really has spurred on this series that we're in called Climate Change and speaking of the climate here in the church and, and some things where we need to maybe press in. And, you know, I, I really want to challenge all of us this morning. And, you know, I'm going to keep doing it because I'm your pastor. Um, and until you chase me out of here, I'll just keep bringing it every week uh, and remind us and myself is that, you know, our, our heart is so important. And when I say our heart, you know, our, our inner person, our spirit man, um, that, that God has saved, that, that he has, uh, again, wrapped himself around us for eternity. And, and when we come to gather together, as we talked about in, in our, in the past week, last week was we were talking about this expectation. And, and I want you to understand that, you know, we need to come to church expecting Expecting something from God, and, and not in a way, again, that's not demanding. It's just, God, I, I, I know that you want to move, that you want to meet your people. Because we just don't know. We don't know what God might have in store. And, and it kind of came out in that prayer I prayed just now. You know, like, I was just thinking about the, the process and the preparation that would go into entering into God's presence. And, you know, I, I, love, I love how, I love the feel of our church. I love that people can come in and for the first time and they very quickly feel very calm and relaxed and almost at home. But what I want to encourage us in though is that we don't come to that point where we're so relaxed that we don't understand that we're standing before an almighty holy God. Right? We have a right to be here through the cross and through Jesus and the work there. And, and we, we, we can enter in with, with boldness even. It says, come boldly to the throne. We know that we belong here. We're family. We're family. We're God's children. But we also need to remember, too, as we enter in, to not do, just to do so like, oh, yeah, let's just get in there and, and get this thing over with. I hope we're coming in with a heart uh, to receive, uh, but also to give, Right? to give to the Lord and, and to give our praise, our, our worship in our lives. And, you know, that's, uh, today we're, we're going to be moving to, to this week, and then we have one more week of this climate change series, and we're going to wrap things up. And the whole idea is this idea of moving just from doing things, doing church, doing the motions, and doing all the stuff that's even good, to a place of really being and knowing God. And from that springs out the doing part. And, you know, that needs to be just our focus as we go. And, and again, every week I'll read this, this passage that we're sort of springboarding off of is, is Matthew chapter 11. When Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And, you know, from that, you know, that word rest, and that's, that's the word I took out of that and kind of built this, this acronym. And so we began two weeks ago talking about relationship with Jesus and the importance of that being the starting point. That, you know, we have relationship with Christ, and it's more than just that first time we prayed that prayer and, and Jesus entered into our lives and he saved us. And for most of us, that was probably a significant moment, amen? 
I hope it was. And I know for others it was maybe a process, right? But somewhere along the way, it's, there was a change. And that change was relationship with Jesus. And the whole point of all of this, <laughs> and the beauty of it is that we no longer have to go to a physical place. We no longer have to go to a, a, a temple, you know, or, or a tabernacle, into a certain place and, and bring something, you know, like an animal to sacrifice. That all changed. And the significance of that veil being torn from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross was so that now we have access to that holy place. We have access to God's presence. And not only that, that we are, we are called the temple of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus, you know, through the Holy Spirit now has entered into us and goes with us. So when you leave this place, you do not leave the presence of God. <laughs> the presence of God is with you and goes with you. And you know what that means? That when you walk in on Monday to work, when you walk into that situation in your house and, and kids are going everywhere and things aren't good, or when you walk into the, that, that um, diagnosis from the doctor that doesn't, is not good and is not promising, you do so with the presence of God, with God dwelling in you. And when you walk into a room that's full of darkness or to a place that's dark spiritually, light walks into that place because God is with you and in you. And we need to remember that, church. And it, it, it all stems from this place of relationship with God. That's the beauty. That's the starting point. And then, as I said last week, we moved to what we said was expectation. <laughs> and the fun and the beauty that comes with expectation. Another word, maybe anticipation, right? We, we come and we anticipate. We expect. When we pray for somebody, you know, in, in whatever the situation is, we expect God to meet that person in that place. And I'm preaching to myself this morning, too, because I can't say, sometimes I, I'm like, I'm going to pray. And in one sense, I would say it with my mouth every time that, yeah, I expect God to do something. But do I really believe with all my heart, like, God, God's going to meet this person in this place? I've had the privilege of seeing some of those moments. I've had the privilege, or the non-privilege, or the opposite of the discouragement, I would say, when I, when I entered those moments, and I just, I, I can't say that I was in that point of expectation. We need to expect. And then that's gonna bring us to our S in this acronym of rest today. And I would say the first two, relationship and expectation, kind of are close together. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of pair the last two, the S and the T, together as we move forward, that, and we'll deal with those this week and next week. And so today we're gonna talk about a wonderful, wonderful word called surrender. And that's, I'm being totally sarcastic, right? <laughs> Sorry, if you're new here, you'll figure this out. Um, surrender is not a word that we just love to use, is it? I mean, how many times do you say, yeah, I'm, I wanna, I'm ready to surrender? <laughs> We're taught, I mean, everything in us, our culture, like, no, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna, I'm gonna persevere, I'm not gonna surrender, I'm not gonna lose. I don't care if it's a board game or you know, a battle, it's like, no, we're, we're here to win, right? This word surrender, I think, is just really, you know, can be misunderstood, and it's not a word that is very palatable for us oftentimes. And so today we're going to just spend the next few moments, because we have a captive audience, and we're going to talk about surrender. And now, now everybody's looking at everybody, so if you get up and stand up and leave at this point, it's going to be really weird. So you're here. But I think it's going to be good, and I think it's going to challenge us. And then next week, and you're going to hear this, this is really going to kind of dovetail in to surrender. The last one is trust and trusting in the Lord, and that's what we're, what we're really going to dial in on that next week. So we're going to finish with that next week today. Might be some heavy sledding, but I know you're all up for it. Amen? You guys need to stand and stretch out or anything, or are we good to go? All right. I'm going to take a drink because I feel like it's going to be a good sermon. <clears throat> a pastor by the name of Bruce Larson, he shared this account. Um, he tells uh, how he helped people struggling to surrender their lives to Christ because that's what we're called to do, right? We're called to surrender our lives to Christ. And he writes this about that. He said, for many years I worked in New York City and counseled at my office and uh, any number of people who were wrestling with this yes or no decision. 
Often I would suggest that they walk with me from my office downtown to the RCA building on Fifth Avenue. In the entrance of that building is a gigantic statue of Atlas, a beautifully proportioned man who, with all his muscle straining, is holding the world upon his shoulders. And everybody's probably seen that, you know, the guy kind of squatted down and holding that globe on his shoulders. And there he is, the most powerfully built man in the world, and he can barely stand up under this burden. Now that's one way to live, I would point out to my companion, trying to carry the world on your shoulders. But now come across the street with me. On the other side of Fifth Avenue is St. Patrick's Cathedral, and there behind the high altar is a little monument of the boy Jesus, perhaps eight or nine years old, and with no effort, he is holding the world in one hand. And my point was illustrated graphically. We have a choice. We can carry the world on our shoulders, or we can say, I give up, Lord. Here's my life. I give you my world, the whole world. And you know, that imagery is very powerful, isn't it? And I think it really sums up sort of us in different times even where, where we're, we're walking our lives. And there are times, I think, when we're not fully surrendering to the Lord. We're not surrendering everything, right? Because that's what surrender is. I don't know if, <laughs> if you guys realize that. You know, if, if you're in a battle and you choose to surrender, there's not a partial surrender. Like, I'll surrender today and tomorrow, but we're going to be back at it the next day. That's not going to go well for you. <laughs> Surrender is everything. It's laying it all down and laying it, laying it out. And that's, that's what God has called us to, is, is to surrender. Webster's, you know, defines this, this word surrender as to yield the power, control, or possession of another upon compulsion or demand, or to give up completely or agree to forego, especially in favor of another. You know, and God is, again, not this dictator demanding surrender, but instead he extends an invitation to say, surrender to me. And as we lay that down, we begin to realize that he carries that weight and it is a much better place to be. Around our house right now in the modern house, we're, we're addicted a little bit to a TV show, uh, Blue Bloods. Anybody seen that? Okay. It took forever. We hadn't watched it. We didn't start watching it until maybe six months ago, probably. And so we're we're in the beauty of modern times when we've got, what is it, 13 seasons, and we can just keep going to the next one. So we're about halfway through, but I love, the, I love, I love it because it's, you're seeing kind of the, the, really the police world, but I love the fact, and if those of you who watched it, the family always gathers at the table, and they hash it out, and they you know, kind of go back and forth with their family, and, and families comes first. And, um, but you often see you know, these, these scenes where you know, they're chasing the bad guy or, or bad woman, and... Uh, we're all inclusive here, by the way, bad men and women. So, um, so they're chasing them, and they get them, you know, in a, in a place. They get them cornered, and they get them surrounded. And so they'll, they'll yell out to the person, you know, we've got you surrounded, surrender. And what do they usually say? And come out with your hands up. And, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a, an amazing picture. And why, what's the significance of that? You know, it's because you're showing that I have, I have nothing left. And oftentimes you'll see this, this um, internal battle in the person, right? They're, they're struggling. Maybe they have a weapon. And they're, it's going through their mind like, do I fight my, try to fight my way out of this? You know, it's me against about 30 cops, knowing that they're going to probably die if they try. Or do we drop the weapon and just take what's, what's coming and surrender to, to, to the authorities? And unfortunately, some choose to try to not even try. They know the outcome, but they, they, they fight instead of realizing, no, I need to stop and surrender. And, you know, I, in, the, in that sense, it's, it's that sense of, you know you're in a place, you're helpless at that point, right? You can't, I mean, again, it's the flip kind of side because it's the bad person, but you can't, you have to, you, you're not going to overpower this, overcome this. And, you know, I believe with God, he's, again, he's not like that authority where, you know, well, I mean, we've done something wrong <laughs> in one sense. But he invites us because there's, there's something better for us, right, when we choose to surrender to him. And that is the invitation. And this, this word surrender, it's, it shows in the Old Testament, usually it's, 
it is battle kind of in the battle scenes. Uh, and it, and it, the, the word surrender, is not, it doesn't appear in the New Testament, at least in a lot of translations. Some, some will use the word surrender. But the idea is are many places. And it often comes through in, in phrases like deny yourself or submission. Those are all things where really you're surrendering, surrendering something, right? And so we can see that. And, and this idea of surrender and submission, again, submission is another word that, I, again, I'm sure... You know, you put that on a book, you're, it's not going to have a lot of sales, uh, you know, for self-help. Um, but surrender and submission really go very closely hand in hand, and they're, they're nearly the same thing. And so, you know, we're going to look today, you know, as, as a lot of times the same between surrender and submission. But I did like one writer's definition as he, he kind of separated them just a little bit. I wanted to share that this morning. He said it this way. He said, he said although we have surrendered to Christ at salvation... The rest of our life will present opportunities to submit ourselves in love and obedience to him. And I thought that was beautiful, you know, because that initial, when we respond, we surrender ourselves, we surrender our lives, but then we have to walk out what it is to submit. And that third word is introduced here, this, this term, um, obedience, is often tied to all of this too, right? So surrender, submission, and obedience in fact, our house rules, one of our house rules is we submit to God's word. <laughs> and what does that mean? Well, we surrender to God's word, we submit to God's word, and we obey God's word. And oftentimes when I'm preaching and when I say this and we, we laugh and you get me at the door sometimes, you know, I say, you know, go out, you know, leave the place changed. Go do something with what you've heard today. Because that's the obedience part, Right? It's like we can sit there in the support group and, and talk about losing weight, but in, it, it really the rubber hits the road when you go home and you open that refrigerator door and there's a piece of chocolate cake and an, an amazing carrot or apple that sits next to it, right? <laughs> and you have an opportunity now to submit and, and to walk in obedience and, and to, to walk that out and to obey the plan <laughs> to get you healthier, to get you to a better place, or you can not, and so I think that's, that's that picture, and that's what we hear is, is we take God's word as our authority, meaning that we submit to it, meaning that where actions are needed to be changed, we will do so even if it's challenging because we believe that this is the word of God and this is what we are supposed to be surrendered and submitted to. Listen, just one thing of how much trouble I want to get into. <laughs> I... I struggle with things in the scripture, okay? Like, I mean, my flesh wants to do something. Or it may even seem like, what's, what's the big deal, right? Like, I'm not going out and hurting somebody. What's the problem? And, you know, and, and choosing not to, to, to do that, but, but then I come back to that place, well, God, I've, I've, I've surrendered my life to you and I've submitted to your word, so if this is the way it is, and this is the problem with a lot of our culture and the way it goes, and even a lot of the churches that go along with the culture, is they've lost sight of the authority of God's word. I mean, listen, Andrew Jackson, everybody knows him? I mean, sadly, you know, and a lot of people don't, they, he, would, he actually ripped portions of his, the Bible out, like pages, the parts that he didn't like. <laughs> I would love to do that, frankly, but at the same time, then it's, it's not God's word. It's not the entirety of God's word. And so I know that I trust God and I've surrendered to God. And so I know that, that he has laid this out for us that we may know what is right and what is wrong, how to walk our lives out here. And so again, understanding this, this idea of surrender and submission. And let's just explore this a little bit more with a couple more visuals for you in your mind. First off, you know, I, I have some, a few guys hanging out in my house. Um, there's four of them, and they won't leave. <laughs> oh, how a pastor's kid wishes they could get the microphone sometimes. <laughs> but I love, I love them, and I love having them around. And, and we still, especially my older two boys, they're sitting right here. Um, but every now and then, they get their feathers kind of up, you know, and they want to physically engage me. <laughs> I'm almost 50. And so, you know, 
it's, it's funny. It's not funny because... <laughs> But we, 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 you know, so we start wrestling, right? We start going, and, and honestly, they're, they're getting stronger. You're getting stronger. Um, and honestly, the, the thing that wins right now is just I outweigh them by like 100 pounds. And so my only salvation is just to kind of wrap them and just like, just like pull them to the ground, and then I just get on top, and then they, pretty soon they surrender. But, um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll do that. We'll mess around and stuff. And it's funny, because like my... My son Noah, we were in Texas at my father-in-law's. I mean, what better place? And we decided, we're going to, he was supposed to be going to bed. I forget how it happened, but we ended up wrestling. And I ended up, you know, on him. And he will not, and he's done this since he was two. You know, I thought I was going to start sticking bamboo shoots under his fingernails to get him to, like, do the right thing or confess. But I didn't. I didn't. But, um, but so we're wrestling, and he just won't, like, tap out, you know? Like, you know, if I put any more pressure, a bone's going to snap or something like that. I have you. I don't want to actually hurt you long term. <laughs> so we have to stop this, and he wouldn't surrender. So now he goes around telling everybody, hey, I, no, you didn't really beat me, <laughs> you know? But that's, that's a form of surrender, right? <laughs> That's one form. That's, that's one picture of surrender I want you to. Would everybody agree that at a point, that's a surrender, Yeah. Okay, so that's one picture. Now let's move over to here, and I'm going to read this. Um, it's actually by an author um, named John Tice. He's a pastor in, in New York, and he wrote uh, a book called The Burden is Light, and he talks about Henry Nouwen. Anybody heard of Henry Nouwen? Uh, if you haven't, I, and if you're really looking how to deepen your walk with the Lord, he's a, a great place to go. Um, very, very good things. But um, he wrote this in regards to Henry Nouwen. He said this. Many have found, talking about a trapeze, right? Many have found the trapeze to be a rich metaphor for the concept of surrender. One reason this metaphor resonates has to do with one of several meanings of the word surrender, to give over, to return that which truly belongs to another. It carries the implication of putting one's full weight on something or someone. And there is probably no better metaphor for putting yourself into the hands of another than suspending yourself in midair, waiting to be caught. This metaphor became central to Henry Nouwen's faith. Let's check out this commitment, right? At the, end of Henry, at the end of his life, Nouwen took a sabbatical and gave serious effort to learning the trapeze from a troop of flyers. It may seem like an odd thing for a brilliant scholar to do, but given that his, this, his life was in many ways haunted by a struggle for control, it makes perfect sense. He wanted to bask in the reality of the metaphor by, by hanging in midair and learning to be caught. His key insight was that in order to be caught safely, and listen to this, in order to be caught safely, the people being caught must com be completely still. They must surrender control, placing total trust in the catcher's ability. And as Nouwen was hanging in the air, dependent on another, his faith was nourished through this tangible release of control. And so we see these two pictures, you know, me with my boys and, and this picture of, of the trapeze and Henry as, he, as he's being caught. And there's a stark difference, right? Over here in, in my world, it was, I'm going to squeeze that surrender out of the person. I'm going to overpower and, and, and pull that out. Where in this world of the trapeze, it's, 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 it's that ch choosing to release and to let go. And think about that. You know, think about the seconds between the release and the catch. Now, again, we usually see with the net below, but imagine there's no net. Just got real, didn't it? <laughs> and to have that complete surrender when they release of the bar and they have to stay completely still, because most of us would probably be like, ah, you know, trying to grab something, but to trust and to be still and to surrender and to know that that person, the catcher, is going to grab hold and, and take hold of you and hold you securely. And that is, I believe, the, the picture of us and the Lord. It's, it's, a, it's a willing surrender because we want to be caught. And, and when we are caught, that is when we really can soar. That is when we can go on with God because we're safe in his grip, in his grasp. But it takes surrender on our part and, and, a, and a trust in him. And so as we look at this picture of us and God and, and surrendering and trusting, it's in Matthew chapter 16. You can turn there if you have your Bibles. Matthew 16 and beginning in verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And in this passage, you know, there are some very key words here that, you know, it begins with if. If. It's not a, a very, you know, strong word in the sense of, you know, this or that. It's, it's if. There's, there's a condition, right? If this or that. And it says, if anyone would come after me. So it's kind of being laid on the table. It's, it's, you know, if we want to continue that illustration of the trapeze, you know, if you choose to let go to be caught, or you can hold on to the bar and, and return back to where you came from. It's contingent on this. And then more like really challenging words and descriptions. You know, if, if, you know if, if anyone would come after me and let him deny himself. Does this line up with our culture at all? <laughs> I mean, even, even at our culture, just us, right? As human beings. Take my two-year-old, Levi. I mean, he is denied of nothing. If you don't give it to him, he's gonna get it, Right? It's, I, I, we didn't teach him that. That's a gift from Adam, right? <laughs> it just keeps going on. We don't, you don't have to teach your kids that. It's, it's, it's just in them. And so it's not in us to deny ourselves of anything, especially, again, you know, we have a lot of comforts. And I think, too, I think, I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier about the preparation and, and the work it was to enter into God's, you know, into, go into the temple. You know, you had this, the cleansing and, and, and the, the rituals and the things you had to go through in this preparation, not to mention you just traveled how many miles, hundreds of miles sometimes to get there with the family and all the dangers that, that you know, laid there. And so I think it was, in, in some sense, I, I know it was, in, in cultures like, or in that time and even in other cultures now that don't have the abundance that we have of things and stuff and conveniences, for them, it's, they're, they're denying themselves all the time. <laughs> they have to, right, physically. And I think it carries over a lot of times. And I think also that's, that's why you see some of the greatest moves of God happening right now in places where the church is under greatest persecution is because there's a denial of self. Not because, and it's, it's almost like, I don't want to say it's forced, but they don't really have a lot of options in the sense of they do if they denounce Christ, Think about that. With a single statement or phrase, all of their stuff, all of their world can come back to them, but they choose to continue in persecution or to be imprisoned or to be beaten, and, and a lot of them uh, you know, martyred, refusing to go back to, to their, their comfortable lifestyles or what they could have on this earth. It's a denying of ourselves you know, and he says, too, to take up his cross. And again, you think about that picture of Jesus and, and carrying that cross, the cross that he would ultimately be crucified on. These are not pictures that are going to, you know, be on commercials for, for drinks and, you know, products. Because they don't, there's nothing enticing about them, is there? But God is still calling us to this. God, it's Jesus. This is his invitation, right? Talk about an invitation to a party, all right, come on, let's go. You know, if you want this, it's your choice. You, can, you need to deny yourself. You need to take up a cross. And then finally, but whoever loses his life for my sake. How many RSVPs for that, right? But this is the, this is the imagery. It's, it's, it's laying this all down. You know, it's, 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 it's putting this, this in, uh, you know, on, the, on the ground, releasing this, letting go. It's this idea of surrender, isn't it? And probably one of the, I mean, not probably, the greatest example of surrender we can go to is Jesus himself, right? Um, as he walked this earth. And I go back here often to this, this scene, and I would, you know, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew chapter 26, and a familiar scene, we, 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 we hit it often, we talk about it often, and we probably read this, but it's, it's Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? Jesus, as he's in his final hours with his disciples, and he knows that, that they're, they're, you know, Judas is about to, to bring the guards to him and he's about to be arrested and, and this is all about to, to kind of go into the motion of, of him going to the cross and, and dying. 
And so he's under this tremendous amount of stress. And of course, he brings the, you know, Peter, James, and John, you know, his, his three closest disciples. Because he wants that, he wants to know, you know, they're, they're close to him and, and they're present with him and, and they're, they're gathered around him to support him. And it says in verse 36, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Jesus, same one walked on water, turned water into wine, right? Healed many, many different people, you know, blind men, lame, lame people, all these things. Jesus is now troubled and sorrowful. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, and here it is, not as I will, but as you will. And that's surrender, isn't it? And I love this picture. I mean, not not in the sense of what Jesus is going through. I I love the humanity here. That we see Jesus was not like, hey, Let's go to the cross. You know, he's just, like, he's, he's just going to walk up there and do it. He's struggling. He's feeling the pressure, the stress, knowing about what he's to walk into. And he's, but yet, at the end of it all, he says, not as I will, but as you will. And as you read through the rest of that chapter, you know this repeats three times. And he goes back to his, his closest friends, and what does he find them doing? Praying and, 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 and you know, on his behalf, right? <laughs> They're sleeping. They're sleeping. And so, you know, Jesus pleads with them, you know, stay, with, stay up with me, pray, I need you right now. And he goes back, and again, almost identical prayer, and yet he submits again, comes back, finds us sleeping, and finally he goes one more time. And again, we see the stress that he was under, and we see really what I would call a prayer of surrender, not my will, but yours be done, as he lays his will down. But then ultimately, we know what happens next, don't we? He's arrested. He's brought before the leaders, sentenced and condemned to to be crucified on a cross, and he goes through that. And what is that called? That's obedience. It's one thing to submit to God's will and say, okay, Lord, I will, but then it's another to really walk that out and be obedient to what he's called us to. Like right now, we're sitting in this room, and maybe... Depending on where, you at, where you're at right now with the Lord, you know, maybe you're oblivious to what God wants you to do. And we can go to God's word and we can, I don't want to say generic things, you know, we know we're supposed to reach the lost and we know we're supposed to decide. We don't need to, you know, have a prayer meeting to discern that. That's in the scripture. That's why the, we say the word of God is what it is. But there's also a place where God will, again, he will put it on your heart. He will, he will be calling you to, to obedience to do something. And my question for you and for, for us today is are we pausing or, or is our busyness sometimes a way to, to stay disengaged from maybe what God might be calling us to do? And I believe with all my heart, this, this is probably one of the greatest challenges and we talk about you know, relationship, right? We talk about being expectant. But understand as, that, as we do that, like authentically, we really do that, be prepared that God may speak to you. And God may show you clearly something. Maybe it's he's calling you into some ministry. Maybe he's calling you to reach someone. Maybe he's calling you to do something that might be uncomfortable. He might be even calling you to something that could lead you to even places of of discomfort, of sorrow, of even, even death, right? This is what happens when people are called to the mission field. They go in and they, they know. I mean, that's missionaries. I don't know if they still do. They used to pack all their stuff in a coffin. That's how they, that was their shipping container because that's what they, they expected. And so I want to challenge us today. And again, maybe I'm speaking of things too far off for us to grasp this morning. <laughs> and I, I don't want to do that. I, I, I want you to understand, though, that, that our desire should be to know the Lord's will. But the, the challenge is gonna come when you discover God's will and then you actually have to step out and be obedient with it, right? And that's not to scare you, but, 
but can I just, sometimes I wish I was just not me. <laughs> I just wish I was, I wish I had all the words and could just, just capture what I feel like and sense God's doing, but I've had glimpses of this, you know, when we lived overseas and I've been in some, some difficult situations, nothing super crazy. But all I can say is this, like it's, it's, it's in those moments it's in those moments, you know, first we find God's will, and we know, we know God's calling us to this, and then we dare to step out. And can I tell you this, too? It's typically not going to go right at the beginning. <laughs> it's not like, whoop, hey, this is great. <laughs> now you're going to be like, and then like a train hits you, right? It's just you're going to be hit hard, and you've got to choose to stand and know, like, no, God's called me to this, and he will give you the strength. But I can I tell you this? The thing that many of you in this room are missing right now but desire deeply is found in those places of opposition and found in those places of obedience. It's when we step out into that place where we are now kind of, we're in the deep end of the pool and the waves are kind of crashing in, but we know God's called us there and we stand why? Because it's in that place that we come to our end, that we come into our weakness, and therefore now God can move in his strength and accomplish great things in us. And some of you here today, some of us here today feel like, man, I just feel like God, I'm just far away from the Lord. I just don't feel, I don't, I don't sense that closeness with the Lord. It's, be, it's because we're walking in disobedience. And God is inviting us, right? I remember when I taught my kids to swim and I'm in the deep end of the pool and it was like that first time they're gonna jump off the edge, right? And I'm like, but they, they knew, They'd, I'd been with them. I'd, I'd helped them learn how to swim, I'd, I'd been there. But at the end of the day, even when, before they knew how to swim, you know what they knew? They knew that I was their dad. And there was no doubt in their mind that I was gonna catch them and I was gonna make sure that they were safe. And they would jump. <laughs> Some of them jumped without me even realizing, like I wasn't even trying to coax them, but they were just like, oh, there's daddy, you know, and they jump. <laughs> but wouldn't that be beautiful if that's how we lived our lives with the Lord? Hasn't he been faithful? Don't we trust in, in who he is and his strength to know that he's gonna catch us? And just kind of like when you jump in the pool or, you know, you get in and you may go under the water for a second, but he's going to be right there to pull you up. And there's going to be challenges. There's going to be struggles. But much in that scene, right? I can't save my son or I can't help him, you know, from halfway across the pool, can I? Where do I have to be? I have to be right there. And I would usually, you know, grab him. I usually kind of get him around. They get on my back, right? And they're holding my neck and I'm swimming and they're just holding on to me. And isn't that a beautiful picture of how God wants it to be with us? But too many times we're like, no, I'll just stay in the shallow end. Or I'll, I'll get it. I'll just stay here on the side on the edge of the pool. <laughs> He's like, no, come, come be with me. And watch what we can do together. Watch what I can do through you. You see, church, we need to be reminded and, and, and the beautiful picture of, of what we just looked at here in the scripture is, as Jesus was praying is that we can rest assured that no one has ever suffered more in accepting the will of God than his son. What Jesus went through, you say, well, other people were crucified, other people, yeah, but no one else has bore the weight of the world's sins on their shoulders. And no one else has been in the place where all they've known is relationship with their heavenly father and in that moment as the world's sin was placed that there was separation as Jesus cried out my God why have you forsaken me it was the first time he'd ever sensed being apart and alone and separated from his heavenly father we don't know what that feels like but Jesus did and he, he does and he went through that and he's inviting us and that's the one whose arms we're jumping into As we go through these four things over these four weeks, as we, we again talk about surrender today, we, we do so as looking to God, but also to each other. And I, I want to kind of button this up here. In Ephesians, Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21, it says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Make the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
And do not get drunk on wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And again, that's what we're talking about, right? Remember we talked about that? Again, this relationship, and it's talking about we have to be to that point of overflowing. And then, again, the Scripture and the way it's worded, it's be being filled. I mean, it's not a one-time thing. It's a constant flow that continues then from there. That's where we function. And so, again, be, be filled, be being filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. doesn't say with your mouth. <laughs> when we come into this place, when we gather together, together, sing with your mouth. Sing as, as though you're singing to the God of this universe, the one that saved you from death. And let it come out. I'm not, listen, some of you can't sing very well. I'm not a great singer either. But you know what? It all is beautiful to the Lord's ears. Lift your voice. Sing to the Lord. And so again, he says, you know, we, we do this together. We, we, we also, not just with our mouth, but it's, again, it's, is it coming from here, from your person, from your inner being of this place? And then it goes on, it says, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Again, we're called not just to submit to the Lord, but to submit to each other. What does that mean? It means that we walk in, 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 in unison. We walk in obedience together. And when we see somebody else doing something, we can, kind of, we can call them out. Not because we've arrived. We do so in love. But we do that. We submit to one another. We, we lay down our desires. And we, 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 we go to the person. And you know, our, one of our house rules, again, is we serve each other. If you want to get closer to the Lord, serve somebody up beside yourself. And in that, in that point, you're just going to, because why? Because that's what Jesus did. As we close this morning, I, I want us just to, to key in here just for a moment. And I just want to talk just for a second here about body posture. You guys don't have to sit up straight or anything right now. Just, but what, there's a significance. Why? Because what are, what are we made? How are we made, Right? Body, soul, and spirit, right? God has given us all three of those areas, and so our body is part of it. And oftentimes, you know, when we, when we worship, you know, you might see somebody, like, raising their hands. Why do we raise our hands? You know, maybe, maybe some of you are like, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not raising my hands. <laughs> but there's something about when you lift your hands. What is that? It's, it's just like, remember, uh, blue bloods, right? Surrender. That's what you're doing, you're lifting your hands, and it is in the Bible, so it's scriptural. But you raise your hands to the Lord. Why? Because it's saying, God, I, I surrender to you. I surrender myself. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll worship like this. Sometimes I worship like this. Like, if I just, like, God, I, I need you. I, I just need more of you. And it's kind of an act of, you know, again, it's another posture to, to receive. But there's something about that, and there's, I want you to see the significance. And many of you know C.S. Lewis probably from Narnia, but he also wrote some other things. And if you've ever read the Screwtape Letters, it's a very interesting book because it's from the enemy side, right? And so you, you so understand that's what's being written is it's from Satan and, and the demon side. And, you know, the experienced demon Screwtape is teaching his understudy how to discourage Christians from praying. And the trick is to, to, to make prayer a mere mental exercise. Listen to what he says. He writes this. He says, at the very least... They can be persuaded that the bodily position makes no difference to their prayers. For they constantly forget what you must always remember, that they are animals and that whatever their bodies do affects their souls. And so I want to encourage us today, and even as we looked at Jesus in the garden and, and what I call this humble prayer, it started with, it said that he fell down on the ground. And I started thinking, honestly, listen, I started thinking, you know, when was the last time I like knelt and prayed before the Lord? I usually pray, I walk and pray. And that's awesome. I love it. I, you know, it helps me. I'll sit and pray sometimes. But there is something about our body posture. And I'm not saying you have to do it all the time. You know, you can drive, you can, while you're driving, you can be praying. But there's something about, it's putting your body into a posture before the Lord that helps us, our soul and our, our spirit get in the right place as well. And so I want to encourage us today as we think about that, as we, we, we are in worship. And again, I, listen, nobody's going to come by and say, hey, you need to raise your hand higher, <laughs> higher. There's not like, it needs to be from the heart. 
But I also want to encourage you too that sometimes that motion or that thing kind of is what sparks and gets things going for you, right? Sometimes we just have to put our body into a place of submission before the Lord and then he will start moving, amen? Would you bow your heads? Actually, could you stand and and, and bow your heads, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you for, Lord, every single person, Lord, in this place. And Lord, I thank you as we've looked today at your word. We've looked today at this idea and this this thought of what surrender looks like. And again, Lord, it, it is not always a pleasant word, but God, we understand that while it may be difficult, it may not be our first um, instinct, Lord, to respond that way. But Lord, that, that when we do, what, what happens to us? God, the way that you meet us, Lord, in that place of surrender, because God, again, we can be prideful. And Lord, we can miss the mark in, in thinking that we we do all these great things, Lord God, but we understand that we are, we are nothing apart from you. God, I thank you that you have, again, demonstrated for us what it is, Lord, to surrender our will. And God, I pray for, for those here today and those watching online, Lord God, that those places in, in our lives, Lord God, where we choose to lay down and we choose to surrender ourselves, but God, that, that obedience would follow. That as we lay that down, Lord God, you would show us, Lord, what to pick up. You would show us the things to put our hand to and the places that we should be. So all across this room, I just, as, as heads are bowed and nobody's looking around, if if that's you today, and, and again, if, it's, if, you, if you don't do this, that's fine. I, no, no, there's no judgment here. But if you believe with, you know, that God has been speaking to you and that, that God wants to kind of lead you maybe just into a new place of obedience, I'd ask that you would just, just raise your hands and, and, and surrender to the Lord. And just hold them up. Nobody's looking around right now. If you're online, just, just type surrender into the, the chat if you're on our chat. Because it's an act, it's a choice, and it may be uncomfortable, but I believe that, that God responds in those moments. And I pray that as you lift those hands up to the Lord, let that be the posture of your heart as well. That it is a reflection of where your heart is, that you are standing before the Lord, your, your hands are open, and you're saying, Lord, I surrender to you. Lord, use me how you see fit because I want to know you and I want to be used by you and I want to have, I want to have uh, uh, moments in this life where I'm investing in things which are eternal, that have an eternal weight, not just my own gain or my own things or own desires, Lord, but God, meet us, meet me in this place, Lord, please. God, I thank you that you see the hands that are raised. You see those, Lord, again, who, who are just leaning in, who are trusting as in this, in this act of, of moving our physical body God, that you would respond as it reflects, Lord, what we're doing in our hearts. God, we thank you for moving and meeting us here in this place today. And as we, we enter into this time, Lord, in this last, this last song, as we lift our voices to you, let our hearts be lifted to you as well. And Lord, we pray that you truly would inhabit the praises of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.